1 Kings chapter 18 and Acts chapter 2 as well. 1 Kings 18 and Acts chapter 2. I told pastor, I don't know what the Lord's doing to us ministers, but everything I had prepared for tonight, the Lord told me to scrap it. So, here I am. And this is all I need. He's all I need. It may be short, it may be long, but we're just going to figure it out. 1 Kings 18, verse 36. If you have that, if you could stand for the reading of God's Word. If able. I'm not going to preach anything profound to you tonight, but I believe the Lord does. He just gave me a thought. That's all I got. But that's all I need. Verse 36. Verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Turn to your neighbor say the evening sacrifice. That Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, or Jacob, let it be known this day, thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, and Thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire, turn to your neighbor and say, fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, They fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Say fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your word. And Lord God, we ask that your word go forth in the anointing that it has and break and destroy yokes. And Lord, help this vessel tonight to preach the thought that you've given me. And I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. Again, I think if you've been in the church, especially a Pentecostal church at any amount of time, these verses have been preached and taught on a thousand if not a million different ways. And what I have for you tonight may not seem profound, but as you know from what happened in this house on Sunday, how many enjoyed what happened in this house on Sunday? 
Anybody enjoy what happened in this house on Sunday? Amen. I thoroughly enjoyed what the Lord did in us and through us. And, and it, it's amazing when God ministers to you. Let me, let me just tell you this right now. It is awesome when God ministers to you. But I will tell you what is more amazing and, and, and to me just is, is so breathtaking about the Lord is when He uses you to minister to others. And I saw many people in this house step out and minister to many, many other friends and many other congregants in this house. And I thank God that not only He ministered to the people and to you as individuals, but He used you to minister to others because church, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Is that it? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. But we see in these, these passages of Scripture, just to set them up quickly for you, I, I, we, we know that in Elijah's case in 1 Kings chapter 19, or 1 Kings chapter 18, I apologize for that, we know that he has called in the previous chapter uh, a, a drought. He said there will be no rain for three and a half years, but he comes out of the brook and he says, here's the deal. He tells, tells Obadiah, he said, go get King Ahab, go get your prophets, we're going to meet on Mount Carmel. And he tells the people, how long will you halt between two opinions? We, we know the story. And he says that, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. It's either going to be Baal or it's going to be Jehovah God. And, and they go into this duel. But I want you to know that it is at a very desperate time. We're talking about idol worship has taken over the nation of Israel. And we're, we're not only just talking about idol worship and human sacrifices being offered and things like this going on in this era, but we're talking about all this wickedness going on and then on top of it all, there's a drought in the land. Everybody says it's bad and it's getting worse. It got worse. It's bad enough to deal with idolatry and wickedness and witchcraft. That's what they were dealing with. That's what the people of God were dealing with and contending with. But on top of it all, there's a drought. Now we go to Acts chapter 2. And not only is the Israelites been overtaken and being held in captivity by the Roman Empire, that's bad enough to have a foreign ruler ruling over you. But what is also happening, if you read the history of the time, the Jewish people are not united at all. There's different sects of, uh, of, of church leadership. You got the Pharisees, you got the, the Sadducees, you got this, the, you, you, you've got the, the, the high priest and his crew, and you have all these different, the, these different beliefs coming forth out of the temple, and even the people of God can't agree, and, 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 and the people in, in Judea don't like the people in Samaria, and the people in Galilee don't like the people in Samaria, and there's all this division taking place, and then Jesus comes on the scene, and, and and he's healing and he's setting free. It seems like everything is getting better, but then he goes to a cross and he dies. He dies. And then he, he, he we just celebrated it. He, he rises from the dead. Oh, it's great. But then he leaves. 
After showing himself to 500 people and, and doing marvelous work, he's, Justin, he's gone. He says, it, it is good for me to go away so, so my Father can release the Comforter, the Holy Spirit unto you. But, but what we find here in Acts chapter 2 is they've been there for 10 days, Sister Mary, and nothing's going on and everybody outside is feasting and just going on with their religious activities. But there's 120 that's in a state of desperation. Because they're waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. I, I'm just trying to draw a quick parallel that I think you can make this statement in a hundred percent assurity that in both passages of Scripture, they were in desperate times. They were in desperate situations. Because the disciples, listen, I, I believe wholeheartedly that there was more in that upper room, but now they're whittled down from maybe 500 that saw him ascend. They're, they're down to 120. And they're saying, where, where is it? Where is it? And you have in Elijah's text, you have a, a people living in a drought, uh, living in witchcraft and idolatry. Uh, and and they're, they're, there's the people of God, the remnant of God saying, where, where is it? Where, what, what, what's going to happen? What, what's going on? The Bible tells us this in Hebrews chapter 12. And, and I thought I was really going to go this avenue today, but the Bible tells us that the Lord will once again begin to shake things. In Hebrews chapter 12. And he says, I will begin to shake things, Brother Chris. And he says, uh, I'm going to shake things so those things that, that are moved, those things that are temporal, will fall and crumble. But he says, you are part, Paul writing to the Hebrews here is, is how I believe as Paul wrote this, this Hebrew book, uh, writing to the Hebrews uh, saying this, uh, but you are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Somebody say, amen. You say, where are you going with this? I, listen, I, I don't know. If I knew where I was going, I would tell you. But I'm just, I'm just going with the Lord tonight. I, but what I'm telling you is we live in a society that is literally crumbling before our very eyes. I don't know if, if anybody, I've only seen segments of the interview, but I know Tucker Carlson sat down with Elon Musk and they consider him to, to be a genius. And he's saying, we are watching the denigration and the degrading of our society. And guess what? He's not a Christian. It doesn't even take a Christian to realize the shape that this world is in. It's, it's bad. It, it, it's awful. It, it seems like a, it's a desperate situation and it's a desperate time. But here's what I come to. I just, I'm just going with the flow tonight, all right? Is that okay? I'm just stepping out in faith tonight. Here's what I read in this text. If you read a little earlier in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, I love this text, I've said it I think a week ago, but I've preached on it, is what Elijah does is he says, okay, the prophets of Baal have done them thing, their thing, they're cutting themselves, they're shouting, they're hooting and hollering saying, come Baal, come. Come Baal, come. It's not working. And then it got to a certain time and what happened is Elijah got the people together, he repaired the altar and he began to set everything up. He got the wood ready, he got the sacrifice ready, he put 12 stones around it, he even 
even said, hey, they're in the middle of the drought. He says, I want you to get water. I want you to dig a trench around this thing. I want you to douse this thing with water. He does it three times. Tells them to do it again and again and again. He, he's, I want no, no denying. So he rebuilds the altar. And what begins to happen is, is we find in what we read tonight is Brother Chris, he began to pray. He began to call out to God. And he begins to just simply say, if I can paraphrase, God, let them know who you are. God, show them who you are. And he rebuilds this, this altar. And he begins to cry out to God. And the Bible says that fire falls from heaven and consumes every part of the sacrifice. And the people fall on their faces and say, let God be our God. You say, what, what are you saying tonight? What I'm telling you is what I, this is the only thought the Lord has given me is that there is fire on the altar. God began to tell me that there are people, not just in this church, but across this nation, have begun to pray a similar prayer like Elijah did. God, just show them who you are. God, just show them one more time. Show them who you are. And you didn't even realize it as you were in your prayer closet saying, God, show my children. Show my city. Show my nation. Show my husband. Show my, show my grandchildren. Show my nieces. Show my nephew. You don't even realize you were doing what happened in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. He prayed and honored God so much that God made a memorial for him. Let me put it to you this way. He prayed so much that this Gentile man that knew nothing other than what he had heard from Jewish people about God. Sarah, what he did is through his prayer, he built an altar, laid his life down as a sacrifice and said, God, whatever you have for me, I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to receive it. I want you to know the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. What we've done through our prayer, many of you have prayed for a long time. Many of you prayed for revival. You prayed for restoration. You prayed for strength. You prayed for what we saw in this house on Sunday. I thank God for that. But what you didn't realize is you were building stones in. You were building an altar and you were laying your life down on that altar. And I want you to know that there's fire that is on your life right now because you have found yourself in a place of prayer, in a place of supplication. And God just began to tell me that there is fire on the altar. You say, what does this have to do with Acts chapter two? I want you to know the Bible says in verse one, Brother Justin, that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that's the feast of Shavuot or the feast of weeks as the Jewish people would call it. And at the very same time, there appeared unto them in the upper room cloven tongues like as of fire. You know what was going on 
in the temple, uh, there was a fire on the altar. Uh, They were offering up sacrifice. Uh, Hear me tonight. Uh, I want you to know the times you've come in and prayed uh, when you didn't feel like it, uh, praised when you didn't feel like it, uh, worshiped when you didn't feel like it, uh, came to church when you didn't feel like it. Uh, I want you to know that God's saying, uh, I'm pouring out the fire of my Holy Ghost uh, on your life. Uh, That feeling that you've had this week uh, where you've said, oh, oh God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm stirred. I'm stirred. You know what that is? It's fire shut up in your bones. It's fire. Hear me tonight. Shut up in your bones. Here's what the men said on the road to Emmaus after Jesus lifted up the bread, blessed it and broke it. They said, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke with, I tell you, there's some people in this house. You've got a fire on the inside of you that cannot be quenched. And I want you to know it's because you've laid your life on the altar and God is sending his Holy Spirit down on your life and he is burning and consuming your flesh and he is igniting your spirit to do more than you've ever done. It's a Wednesday night and I feel good. I feel good. But why is it important that there's fire on the altar? These two stories, these two texts I read to you, when there's fire on the altar. Again, Pentecost, right down the road, there was fire on the altar. But them 120 people in the upper room had already built one. And there was, came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it appeared unto them like cloven tongues, like as of fire. And I I love this. I've preached on this too. And the Bible says it sat upon each of them. You know what that means? It came in contact with each of them. And here's the fascinating thing about these two texts is that both of these stories start out with an altar and a fire, but they both end with a demonstration of the power of God. You say, what are you talking about? Oh, this is what we read about a Elijah, can I come down and hang out with y'all? Okay, listen. What happened with Elijah is he he, he prayed, fire fell from heaven. Uh, Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, This is great, right? Uh, But the story don't end there. Uh, He looks at Ahab. Uh, He looks at his servant. He said, you go tell Ahab. Uh, I hear the sound uh, of the abundance of rain. Some translations say uh, the abundance of a heavy, heavy rain. Uh, He said, oh, I hear something. Uh, Something's beginning to change. Uh, I hear the sound of something. Uh, It's beginning to change. Do we know the story? The servant goes back seven times. And finally on the seventh time, he says, all I see is a little cloud, the size of a man's hand, but it's moving this way. The Bible says that the heavens opened up. Oh, and it began to pour out. I want you to know the fire is great. What were you experiencing in your life is awesome. But I want you to know it is nothing in comparison to what the Holy Spirit's about to pour out. Listen, listen, 
God answered the prayer for Elijah and consumed the sacrifice with fire. But I want you to know what came next in the demonstration was not for Elijah. It was for the nation. The whole nation was in drought. The whole nation was in a bad spot. The whole nation was praying. They were desired. They were desperate. Well, do we have enough? Do we have enough? Oh, listen, but because one prophet said, I'm going to build me an altar and I'm going to make me a sacrifice and the fire came down. His nation got the reign of the Holy Spirit poured out on them. I want you to know what happened in the upper room. Oh, it happened to 120, but the Bible says in Acts chapter two and verse six that when it was noised abroad that people came running. What's going on? Are these men and women drunk? Oh, Peter stands up. He says, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. Oh, but this is that that the prophet Joel's talked about. This is the outpouring of God's spirit. I want you to know there's altars in both stories. There's fire in both stories. And there is a sound in both stories. There came a sound and, and, and Elijah said there's a sound of abundance of rain. There came a sound in the upper room as a rushing mighty wind. But they both end the same way with an outpouring. With an outpouring. Again, not for themselves, but for their city, but for their nation. What happened is 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost said, I will follow Jesus. I want you to know it's great. The fire that's being poured out in this church, the fire that's going on on these altars, but I want you to know it's nothing in comparison to the souls, to the souls we're about to reap into the kingdom of God. It is nothing in comparison to what God is pouring out. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just praise the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on. I know what you're tired. Come on. Press in with me tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, there's an outpouring church. There's an outpouring. There's an outpouring. Oh, what you feel burning on the inside of you is what John told us about. He said, there's one coming after me that is mightier than I, and he shall baptize you, not just with the Holy Ghost, but with the Holy Ghost and fire. I thank God that it's because of the fire. Listen, understand this. When Jesus said in Matthew 5 that you are to be a light unto this world, a city set upon the hill which cannot be hid. Guess what? Back then, excuse me, they didn't have electricity. How they lit their house was with fire. They lit their house with fire. And what he was saying about his church in Matthew chapter 5, Elijah, is he said, my church is to be a church that is set up on the hill that people can look to and see the fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know God's doing something in this church. God's doing something in you. Don't you ignore it. Don't you push it away. Don't you get off the altar. You just lay there and let your flesh 
just be consumed and let God rise a spirit man within you that is stronger than you've ever seen. I want you to know we're going to see souls saved. We're going to see people healed. We're going to see people delivered. And it's not going to be by my might. It's not going to be by my power. But it's going to be by his spirit. Says the Lord. I get some music, please. Sherry, you want to just come up and play something? Thank you, babe. Church, there's a fire. There's a fire. There's a fire. Brother Justin, we, we got to travel with Pastor, Monday night, guess what? There's not just a fire in Connorsville. There's fires all over this place, all over this nation. I'm talking about, I saw a pastor that I follow. I appreciate him. Pastor's a, 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 a large church, and the Spirit of God just moved in such a mighty way in their church. He said, I, my hands are off this thing. Let God do what he needs to do. Church, Sunday morning was great. Sunday night was great. But God's not done. God's not done. Hear me. Let me, let me make this personal. God's not done ministering to you. God did it for Elijah. God did it for the 120. And then he did it. For the others, what God's doing in you is not just for you, it's for others. And I'm not ignorant to the fact, Justin, I'm not ignorant to the fact. I know that you probably went into work Monday and hell come out swinging. You went to work yesterday. Went to school yesterday. And there's that flesh saying, oh, just get back in a rhythm. It was a good service. It's a good service. Just, just get back into your flow. Get back into your rhythm. Hear me. God is doing something in this house. I'll be honest with you. You need to pray for your pastor. Not because he's not wise. We know he's wise. Not because we don't tr we trust him. We wouldn't be here if we didn't trust him. But God's doing new things in both of our lives. And he's stretching us. We don't want to mishandle the glory. But hear me, let me charge this to you personally. What God's doing in your life. Don't mishandle. 
because I'm telling you, Lord, the only thought he gave me is there's fire on the altar. There's fire on the altar. This world's shaking and being shaken. This world is in a desperate state in a dire situation. This nation, for Americans, you, you better be concerned. And politics ain't going to fix it. If politics was going to fix it, it done fixed it. But I will tell you this. I believe Pastor would agree with this statement. Every reform that has been made in this nation was preceded by a move of God. You don't have the American Revolution without the First Great Awakening. You don't. You don't have the abolishment of slavery in the Civil War without the Second Great Awakening. Every major justly reformed has been made in this nation has been preceded by a move of God. And what's going on, and you say, oh, it's just Connersville, it's just our church. But what's going on in this house can have impacts further than you could ever imagine. Because parents, I know you don't like to think about this. Well, I'm going to burst your bubble and make you think about it. Your child could impact the world in such a great way for God. They could be a Billy Graham. They could be a Catherine Kuhlman. They could could be a missionary that rocks an entire continent. They could be a chaplain in the halls of Congress leading senators and congressmen to the Lord. Don't limit your God. Don't limit what He can do. Because I'll tell you this, there's fire on the altar. And it's not just for souls. We're going to see souls. We've already seen souls. The pastor is already getting testimonies of healing. We're in a wave of healing, church. And it's because there's fire. What was in this house on Sunday morning and Sunday night was the glory of God. And the Bible says in Leviticus 9 that after they got done making the sacrifices, Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting and come out of the tent of meeting and began to bless the people. And the Bible says that the glory of God came down And fire came out of the pillar that God was in and fell on the altar. It fell on the altar. And you know what? They did exactly what they did in 1 Kings chapter 18. They fell on their faces. Said, This is God. Church. 
the greatest testimony we can give is to get into the glory of God. Moses and Aaron couldn't say the words. Could, could. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles that they couldn't even minister in the temple when they were dedicating it because of the glory of God. But everyone was on their face, TJ. Everyone knew what was going on. And if we want this church, if we want, the, or if we want this city to see revival, we just need the glory. We just need the fire. We just need the leading of the Holy Spirit. Church, stay on the altar. Stay on the altar. Stay on the altar. You know what else it says in Hebrews chapter 12? It doesn't just talk about the shaking, but it says in verse 29, For our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. So let me ask you this, if you stand with us. Brother Justin, you got something to say? Okay. Simple question. I know I ask it a lot. Do you want more? I thank God for... Uh, listen, church, I cannot thank God enough for what has been happening in this house. Oh, but I want more. You know, I can remember a message my father preached years ago. Preached a message entitled, Does Hell Know Who You Are? And Katie, I don't remember every message I've heard as a child. I've heard so many. But I can remember my father. I was young, young, young. I can remember him preaching, Sister Sarah, with such anointing that I, I remember a young man holding on to the pew in front of him. Conviction was that strong. Just because a man of God was obedient, God used him, and the glory of God began to fill the room. I want to see him run to the altars. Listen, church, we're in an age, I, I don't want to have to beg anybody. I don't even have to give it. I just want people to come because they know there's fire on the altar. Amen. I'll leave you with this. This is silly, but my mother told me something. We, you know, we, used, we played sports. I remember being young at the ballpark and the ballpark that we played at had about 10 diamonds for baseball, softball, games going on all day long on Saturday. There's people all over the place and my mom didn't care if I went on. You know, I was probably eight, nine years old. She said, you can go play. You know, playground's right there. I can, I can look over and check on you and I, I had some family members around me. But I can remember her telling me something, <laughs> Brother Chris, because listen, your mom, your, my mom didn't just let me run all over the place, but she cared, you know. She didn't just want me to get taken, you know. So she said, Jade, if someone ever tries to grab hold of you, don't scream for help. And I said, what? Don't scream for help. She said, don't scream for help. 
She said, you want to know what you say? You say, fire, fire, fire. She said, because people get used to kids acting up and saying, oh, help, oh, help, oh, help. She said, but people respond to fire. I know it sounds silly, but she said, if they, if they ever, if someone ever tries to take you, scream fire, fire, <coughs> fire. Hear me, church. I preached last Wednesday about the keys. I, I said it sounds corny, but sometimes we just need to, you know, the devil tries to put locks on us. Just get out your keys. Say, you got locks, but you don't got keys. God's given me the keys. But let me tell you, when the enemy tries to come in, just start saying fire, fire, fire. You can't have my praise. You can't have, my, you can't have what God's doing in my life. You can't have it. When they tried to shut John and Peter, uh, or Peter and John up, yeah, John and Peter, whatever, Peter and John, they tried to shut them up. You know what they did? They threatened them. They said, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. They go back to the upper room said, hey, they threatened us. So let's ask for more. Yeah. The Bible says that that building was shaken. And they were filled with boldness. The enemy came after them just like he come after you. And I'll tell you this, the enemy come at them worse. Because he didn't just play games. It was illegal to be who they were. Jesus was killed for who he was. It was illegal to be them. Eleven of the twelve were martyred for a reason. It was illegal to be who they were. But they had the fire. They had the anointing. And when Paul even cried out, I know I say it all the time, but when Paul cried out and said, I'm weak, Jesus spoke to him and said, no, you're strong. Don't let God, don't let the enemy steal what God is doing in your life. So if you want more, there's fire on the altar. Come tonight. Please come. Find your place to pray. Find yourself a place to pray. There's fire on the altar. And when there's fire on their altar, there's a demonstration that's about to take place. A demonstration of God's Spirit's about to take place. There's a demonstration about to take place in your life. Oh, because there's fire, there's fire, there's fire. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, tonight. Oh, Lord, just stoke the flames within them. Stoke the flames within them. Everybody, Pastor Ron coming to you again. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that the word was a blessing to you. And today, before we say goodbye, I just want to encourage you. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in the Lord, that this would be a time that you would do so. I'd also say to you, if you're going through a very difficult or trying season, know this, God is faithful. He loves you. We love you. And we just say to you today that He is still able to do exceedingly abundantly what we could ever ask or think. So I speak blessings over you and your family. Thank you for joining us today.